Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. What's up, gents? My name is Charlie Ungemach, and you are listening to an episode of the Gird Up Broadcast. Now, the dudes are going to join me in just a minute, and we got a lot of great content coming your way. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project here. All of our content at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we also have to rely then upon the contributions of our listeners to do so. You'll never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost us money to put a show like this together. So if you find what we're doing here valuable and you enjoy the broadcast and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going and it helps us reach and minister to many more men just like you. Hope you enjoy the broadcast today. Let's get to it. All right, dudes, forgive me, but one more advertisement before we finally get into the show here. I want to talk about Beats for Heartbeats. Beats for Heartbeats uh, was established as a nonprofit organization in 2020, but fundraising efforts in the form of an event, Beats for Heartbeats, began in 2019. The mission of Heartbeats, Inc. is to celebrate the value of every life through the power of Christ. This is accomplished by acting as a conduit to provide support through awareness and fundraising for organizations that aggressively focus their efforts on benefiting abundant life for the most vulnerable, including pro-life and pregnancy counseling, foster care and adoption services, combating human sex trafficking, um, depression counseling, and both suicide and euthanasia prevention. Currently, Beats for Heartbeats raises funds through an outdoor music festival Um, which takes place each fall in West Bend, Wisconsin. And this year's event will take place on September 17th at the Washington County Fairgrounds. Performances will start at 2.30 and include him and her worship, who've been on the show a couple of times, Koine the Church Band, Brian uh, from Koine has also been on the show before. They'll also feature (laughs) Rhett Walker and Sanctus Real. So um, a great ticket. Um, it's going to be an awesome show. Last year's show was an absolute blast. The Grid Up Bros and I will also be there once again, and we'll hope that we'll see you there as well. Mark your calendars for September 17th at the Washington County Fairgrounds up there in Wisconsin for Beats for Heartbeats 2022. We'll see you there. Gentlemen, you're listening to the Gird Up Broadcast. This episode is going to air for the first time on September 3rd of 2022. Uh, my name is Charlie Ungemach. With me, I've got over here Gustav Wenz and Eli Sievert. Awesome. Gustav's been on the show a bunch of different times, but Eli, we've never met you before. So uh, go ahead and share a little bit about yourself. Who is Eli Sievert? Okay. Uh, yeah. So in my seventh year of college, straight. <laughs> uh, uh, played some college baseball before in Arkansas, and then decided I wanted to uh, come be a pastor. So second year here at MLC. Uh, family's in California now. Uh, moved out there a couple years ago from Colorado for a while. So yeah, just moving all over the place, seeing it all. Yeah. What brings what what brought the leap from uh, college baseball to come to here to MLC to study to be a pastor? 
I think uh, I think the biggest thing was seeing there's or realizing that there's more important things in life and uh, helping out people in a spiritual eternal matter is uh, greater than really anything else we can do and it's a big privilege and opportunity to be able to do that yeah so the goal was to play professionally correct yeah all right so as that obviously you're not playing professionally right so <laughs> as that kind of comes as that dream fades a little bit maybe or i don't know what the right word is as that opportunity kind of slips away right um i can imagine that's a fairly tough spiritual experience as a christian um do you want to talk to that at all or no yeah i can yep yeah. uh so <laughs> <Next. No. laughs> there's a question for you yep yep all right yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah i would say the biggest thing was has been uh kind of getting over my own ego of whether i thought i was good or whatever the situation was and so because all i've been thinking about probably through that whole experience was, all right, how can I get to the next spot, the next spot? And now kind of being humbled and coming, you know, a little bit closer to God. I don't know if, if that's the right word or not, but um, spiritually being strengthened, I think kind of through the failure of that has been spiritually uh, enhancing just because stop looking at the world as kind of my own and this is God's and it's not really my life, but it's his, so I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of emotions to That's it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're certainly, gl- gl- we're certainly glad to have you. Thanks. Glad to have you here studying to be a pastor. So, cool. Starting out with thank yous and shout outs to get today. Gus, you want to lead us off? Um, <clears throat> I suppose I'll thank. <sighs> <laughs> Kurt, <laughs> my boss at Shells. <laughs> I'll thank him. Uh he uh is uh he I don't know. He's just been really cool since I've been back. I don't know, very understanding of uh he's just been really cool and it seems like uh there's a lot of pressure on him and uh to be getting a lot of stuff done. So it's cool to have a boss like him being as chill as he is in the face of what he's having to deal with out there. So yeah. Yeah. I'd say uh my shot my thank you this week goes to Marcus from Beats for Heartbeats. It's going to be a lot of mm. fun to be out there and uh, interviewing a bunch of folks out there. And we're working on getting some people lined up on our end, and we're going to interview some people from Beats for Heartbeats and um, some other exciting things. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, it's going to be a nice little weekend away from school, and it's going to be a good chance to do some more podcasting. So thank you, Beats for Heartbeats and Marcus. And, of course, you got plugged in. If you haven't gotten mm-hmm. your tickets yet, go get your tickets. The ad will be at the beginning of this episode. Get your tickets. We'll see you at Beats for Heartbeats on uh, September 17th. Eli, thank you. <laughs> I think I'll say my my roommate, <laughs> Adam nice. Aerosmith, for putting up with my... Uh, is crap appropriate to say? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've said worse. Yeah, yeah okay. Worse. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been some late nights and early mornings, but yeah, he's uh, we're going strong so far, and helping me out with homework, specifically Axe, so trying to crawl through that right now. Yeah, Axe nice. is a grind. Yep. It is. 
Yeah, so that ties in with my shout-out. My shout-out this week goes to Bible Hub for helping me get through Acts. Every once in a while, you get to a word, you look in every commentary, you look in the lectionary, you look in the textbook, it, there's just, it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> the only way to fix it is look at Bible Hub. Bible Hub. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. short of an uh, English translation, that's about the best you can do. So, Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, quick shout-out then to Nurse Horn, uh, the registered RN. Um, granted, I didn't really need uh, crazy medical attention, but I did take a chunk out of my finger a little bit oh. uh, when I was weightlifting on Monday. How do you do that in a weight room? So I was lifting up a dumbbell, and it smashed in between the dumbbell and like the rack. Oh, yeah. Cheese gratered. Yeah, so that's a fun visual <laughs> for everybody listening. <laughs> just imagine that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, no, it's fine. She just gave me some like, antibiotics and stuff, but I don't know. Uh She's a busy lady, and it was nice that she was able to just kind of take a second and be like, oh, nice, your dumb little finger thing. Let me fix that for you, <laughs> you know. But So you're saying you're going to be okay. Uh, I might lose the finger, but, yes, I'll be okay. Well, you would have lost the finger if it wasn't for Nurse Horn. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Shout out. Uh, how about the the calf right now has been a little bit mm-hmm. better than oh, yeah, for sure. last year, I think, mm-hmm. at least to start, so... We'll see how long that lasts. Well, like the mainline items have been better yep. lately. Yeah. 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 So. I like to stick to the meat and potatoes over on the far side. Next, sure. next to the, not the ice cream, but next to the ice cream, yep. you know? Yeah. That's been clutch, too. The gluten-free section has been having some crazy good stuff. You had stuff. the chicken yesterday? No, it looked amazing, oh, though. Oh, it was delicious. Yeah, they had, so I think it was like the first day we were back, they had like salmon. Like, wow. Not, well, actually, no, it wasn't salmon, because salmon's like, the color salmon, right? No, this stuff, it was like white. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is it was delicious, and I was very surprised. But, yeah. yeah. That's a good shout-out. Shout-out yeah. to the MLC Cafeteria. Killing it. Awesome. Gustav, you got some news for us today? Yeah. Um, there's some moderately big stuff. So, uh, update on the Ukraine situation. So, uh, EU foreign minister ministers are meeting to discuss a topic dividing the bloc, whether to ban Russian tourism in Europe. Um, advocates, largely countries that border Russia, have already stopped issuing visas to Russians, calling it one of many restrictive measures which are aiming to end the war. Yeah, um, but other countries say they're unwilling to punish everyday Russians for Putin's war. Uncle Sam, America, agrees, saying pathways for dissidents to leave Mother Russia should remain open. Um, oh. Yeah. So the argument is if we completely shut them off, then people can't, like, yeah, they won't get refugees the, out of there and stuff? Is may, that what's going on? I think. Well, well no. that last line you read uh, yeah. about Mother Russia. Uncle Sam agrees, saying pathways for dissidents should leave Mother Russia to to leave Mother Russia should remain open. I mean, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you can't really separate the leader of the country from the rest of the country, can you? Yeah. I mean, especially in the time of war. I guess I don't know. All I know, so when I was going to school back home, I uh, became pals with these two gals that were from Russia, from Russia, and uh, like I still follow them on Instagram and stuff, and. I don't know it seriously i to an extent i think it's very plausible that you can separate 
the two, like the regular everyday Russians and the Putin stuff, because I don't know, it's like they post stuff about protesting the situation. And again, maybe it's just I'm friends with the two that, you know, aren't pro fighting <laughs> Ukraine people. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It seems like there is a separation of what's going on in the public of Russia and the uh, government of Russia. Yeah. I don't know. I guess what I'm thinking is. Like from a socioeconomic standpoint or political geopolitical standpoint, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. From a geopolitical standpoint, can can you treat the citizens of a country as separate from the government? I don't think normally. Yeah, I don't know. But I feel like with the way Putin's established himself, you probably can, because he kind of just is like, "Yeah, this is mine," and then stayed there, right? Well, what's the best way to end the war? Is Force Russians to put so much pressure on Putin that he stops being Putin. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh. I don't know. I'm not going to say what I thought you were going to say. Any thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) It just seems a little wrong to, yeah, we're just going to prevent you from entering the rest of Europe just because Mm -hmm. you're a Russian. Um, I have a cousin that lives in Russia right now. He married a Russian girl, but I think they're in Turkey because of the war. So I don't know, I and I don't, the vibe I kind of got from them is that they don't, So yeah, there's definitely Russians who do not support what Putin is doing, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't, that's the extent of what yeah. I know, from from his side of it. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I, it, seems, it seemed that way when the war first started, too, it seemed like there was a lot of pushback from, from Russians. Yeah. On, uh, on a slightly more personal note, Kostya, who's been on the podcast a bunch mm-hmm. of times, is from Ukraine. His family's okay, and they're actually coming out here to live in New Ulm, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. that'll be really cool. Uh, just to tag these on to that last uh, news article, so Ukraine is actually going to do its first major counteroffensive to try and pack, uh, t- try and reclaim, I don't know how to say this, uh, Kherson, Kherson, K-H-E-R-S-O-N. Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, Russia's military is <laughs> recruiting heavily and struggling at it. And then also, um, international inspectors have arrived at, oh boy, uh, Zaporzhia. <clears throat> uh, let me spell that for you Z A P O R I Z H Z H I A. So, however you say that word, that's where the inspectors arrived in Ukraine because apparently that's where Europe's largest nuclear power plant is and it was damaged during shelling. So, they're checking on that. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, one other article that I wanted to throw out there. So, to the moon eventually. Um, Despite thousands of spectators on site, including Vice President Harris, to witness the launch of NASA's Artemis 1 rocket, neither ooze or oz occurred. NASA canceled blastoff when engine temperatures couldn't reach the proper range for takeoff within the two-hour launch window. The rocket officially and cr- officially and creatively named the Space Launch System... <laughs> Um, <laughs> was to be the first step in NASA's path back to the moon. When able to launch, Artemis will complete a week-long unmanned flight as a test for future missions, aiming to put out to put more astronauts' boot prints on the moon. The next opportunity for Artemis One to start is its 1.3 million mile journey is this Saturday. So when this episode gets released, should be happening. Um. However, if that window does get missed, it'll 
be at least another month before takeoff. So, yeah, interesting. that's kind of interesting. I didn't realize we were trying to go back to the moon. Yeah, it's super cool. From a, like, government standpoint, I knew yeah. private companies have been trying to get up there lately. But I wonder I wonder what the, like, the is, is there, like, a geopolitical reason for it, or is it just a cool thing to do? I don't know, is it? Because wasn't the first, the first time was just kind of U.S. versus Russia, right? Just to prove yeah, it. Yeah, like, basically, yeah. yeah. Who's better? Yeah. I mean, it is cool. <laughs> if I had an right. opportunity to go to the moon, I'd go to the moon, I yeah. think, but... Yeah, like it'll be neat to see if it, like if that happens in our lifetime, right? That'd be kind of legit. That'd but then at the cool. same time, like, like you're kind of getting at what's what's the point? Yeah, are we gonna start building the house up there or <laughs> just spend taxpayers' yeah. dollars on or is it like the gasoline they don't want to use on the moon or something instead of out and Ooh. just floating around? Or I, I who don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Maybe that's a thing. But also think about how crazy. Like we talk all the time about a crazy amount of technology. That are like in our phones and like our iPhones are like twice as much computing power as the whole Apollo mm-hmm. program, and then you see that we're struggling to get back to the moon. Like we can't even take off. Yeah. And they did all that without any of that technology. That's insane. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe they'll put solar panels up there. <laughs> put a giant wire. Every once in a while, you just gotta turn the earth backwards and unwind the wire. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's accurate. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Awesome. As cool as it is. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about the second commandment today. Uh, So, the second commandment obviously talks about misusing the name of the Lord, our God. So, Luther's uh, commandment and explanation said, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. So take a look at what Luther talked about in the large catechism and in a smaller, uh, well, in a different format in the small catechism. Um, He kind of redefines the second commandment as simply misusing God's name is when one speaks of the speaks the name of the Lord God in whatever manner that may be in order to support lies or of or any kind of wrong. Um, so he even kind of rephrased it in a more general space already. Um, and then he outlined the uh, two greatest sins in this regard, um, in his mind at least, are using God as witness for things which aren't as stated, whether that's explicit, like it's, it's a, I know it's not true, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'm going to use God as a witness, or whether it's simply um, the implication that I am a Christian or I am even a pastor or whatever it might be, um, and so what I say then is said with the authority of God. Um, and you can easily see that being an attack on the Catholic Church and the Pope and the things that he was battling, um, but you can also easily see that just in, you know, uh, you think about being a parent or a teacher or anybody in authority. Anytime you use God's name or the authority that comes with um, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, so anytime we use God's authority for something that, whether we know it or not, isn't true, we are misusing the name of the Lord. Um, And then the other one he talked about was spiritual matters, which, I mean, that's kind of an obvious one, but it's almost so obvious that we forget about it sometimes. When we teach false doctrines, we teach things that aren't true, we are using the name of the Lord in vain. We're abusing um, things the Lord has told us and taught us, so... Um, one of the things I think stuck out to me the most was when he said lying and deceiving themselves are a really big deal, obviously. 
Uh, but then you take God in as a witness to that, and the ramifications of that are far larger. Like you're mm-hmm. multiplying your sin tenfold then. Because when you simply lie, you're making yourself a liar. When you lie and you use God as a witness to your lie, you've now made God a liar. Um, and that has huge spiritual implications mm-hmm. um, across the board. And what immediately popped into my brain then was um, in Matthew when Jesus says, it'd be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea. So big uh, big ideas with, with strict warnings on the second commandment. Certainly adds to the, the weight of being a called worker in that not only do you want to be faithful in preaching God's word, but now if you let kind of your own sinful ideas or, um, you know, thoughts about a certain matter creep in and then, oh, I can just add God's name to it and I think it'll sound good to my congregation or classroom. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit intimidating in that regard, reading that side of it, because I think when you think about the second commandment, generally you're thinking, oh, don't don't curse. Right. You know, don't yeah. say, oh my God. Yeah, yeah right, those yeah. kind of things, but it... Um, which is true, of course, but there's also a lot more depth to it that um, besides that. So yeah, and I think you two might even be able to speak to this a little bit more than I can. But I think, in my experience or my observation, maybe um, when you have a Christian, a strong Christian in particular, who is in a setting where there aren't necessarily a lot of Christians around, whether that be work or college or whatever it might be, and you guys have both gone to uh, non-Christian institutions mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, like what tends to happen is you get that reputation of being the Christian kid, right? Oh yeah. So then everything you do as the Christian kid kind of has, like, almost has God's stamp of approval on it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, the Christian kid do it, so it must be okay. Yeah. Um, you think thoughts about that? Oh yeah, I definitely think that's real, and I think it's like shocking if you like, like the level of shock that comes with accidentally saying some kind of cuss word is pretty dramatic as well. I mean, because again, like you said, it's like, oh, the Christian kid isn't going to be the one, like, he's not going to say something like that, or he's not going to do something like that, right? And so it's like, I don't know, it's interesting. I think uh, the areas in which um, the public, like society in general, hold uh, Christians to certain standards are, (laughs) it's weird, like, what they'll put the mark on, you know, because... It's like, I know, like, growing up, at least for me, it was a lot of people or a lot of high school friends, a lot of college friends at my other college. It's like they tried to get you to drink underage, right? That's a big one. It's like, oh, hey, you want to have a drink? And they'll try for a bit, and then they'll be like, huh, okay, you've been tested. You're a good Christian kid. We're <laughs> going to stop asking you now, mm-hmm. you know? And then it suddenly becomes this social thing where now, because you're not participating in the activity they're doing, you no longer really have a place in that um group i guess you could say which you know in the end is probably a good thing right (laughs) like if they're if they're willing to put their like the basis of like their relationship on you based on the fact you won't like do something illegal with them you know then it's probably good not to be friends with them (laughs) but you know as a kid you don't really see it like that you know you're like wow now they don't ever invite me to their house or wow now uh, like I don't get, a, I'm not included in the conversation cause I wasn't there to see whatever happened at this thing, you know? So it's a, it's a weird line to balance. And I think, uh, a lot of, <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's like the size of the university or the size of the high school kind of determines how much that's going to affect you too. Um, in the sense that 
do you have other friend groups that you can get away from that particular one with? You so know what I mean? What you're saying is a larger school might provide more opportunities yeah, to... Yeah, okay. that is what I'm saying. And granted, I mean, I prefer a smaller school anyway just because I got to do so much stuff in like sports and whatnot. But yeah, it's like a larger school is going to provide a larger social pool. And so it's going to be easier to get away from that. I will say growing up, I was assumed to be Mormon the whole time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Most of my That's professors. That's a badge of honor. <laughs> like I was so good. They thought I was they a thought Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, I mean, you know, a Mormon discussion is worth discussing and, well, but you have to, I mean, that's it's the, just, if you really strip it down, you have to be good enough yeah. to become godly. Yeah. You know? So. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was It was always interesting. And to be fair, I did hang out with a good amount of Mormons. So that probably didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Does that add, like, you were talking a little bit about you know, not being invited to things or whatever because you have the reputation of being a good Christian kid. Mm. Does that add to the temptation then to participate in such things? Yes and no. I think, well, like, definitely it does because you want to be a part of it. You want to be able to hang out and do your thing and be friends with those people. But at the same time, I don't know, I I think my parents did a great job of not necessarily, like, instilling the fear of doing something bad in me, but showing me that, like, that's wrong. And I was able to see the unappealing aspect of it. Like, I think that's kind of, I mean, again, I, I mean, I'm not a parent, right? Um... But it seems to me that rather than making them scared of the situation, you should help your kids realize the wrong in the situation. And I, and I think that's something that my parents were able to do because it was like, I don't want to do that because it like one, it's wrong. And two, it just isn't appealing. Like the stuff they're doing, like I like, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to not be able to control my body and mind? You know, um, why would I want to go and steal something out of the gas station? You know, like why, like the point there, I don't know. It's just, there was no merit in any of it in that regard, I guess. Yeah. I think mine was a little different. Um, but same, uh, just being on a team where a lot of guys saying they're, they were Christian. <clears throat> so that almost gave I'll say us because I was a part of it too. <laughs> Almost gave us uh, a reason to do um, kind of what we wanted. So, oh, we're Christian, so so we're kind of all in this together. Yeah. Like almost a okay. Yep. And yeah. so, a little bit different environment, but still there was yeah there was still like oh your dad's a pastor like oh you you know do you guys <laughs> you, what what do you what do you think about this and this and so kind of opportunities there to to stand out, but also since people were also christian i put that in quotations but (laughs) kind of i guess it wasn't as big of a deal and maybe being in kind of the bible belt was helped out a little bit um so yeah there's definitely and yeah like you were saying the larger school opportunities i think yeah because there's i think there are fourteen thousand there maybe Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more opportunities for to kind of just blend in and yeah go in with well the flow. yeah and when i say that too i'm saying that as an extrovert right so it's like to me there's ways to escape certain people because i can go and just make new people happen you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> that happens Not sometimes in college horn, but yeah so you know it's 
Okay, stop. I see what you're saying. <laughs> uh, not like that, guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, whenever I'm like, I hate my friends, I just make people. <laughs> oh, gosh. I have many children. Well, that's a good thing we put a disclaimer at the beginning of these episodes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I don't but know. See, maybe maybe it'd be intro- uh maybe it'd be different for an introvert is all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, like to me yeah. it's easier to get away from the groups I don't want to be a part of because I I don't know, I just introduce myself to someone new. Well, and if what it feels what it sounds to me like both of you are saying but from different perspectives is to the world you base well, I guess anyway, to the world you like the Christian is Christianity. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. yeah. what I and so you were Eli were talking about, you know, being on a team with a bunch of guys that were in quotation marks Christians. And so there's a whole bunch of behavior that was acceptable that probably isn't really acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we're all Christians, you know, we can determine what's acceptable and what's not. And right. that then becomes what Christianity is. And Gus, uh, you're talking from a different perspective where, um, you there's know, very few Christians. Right. And they almost see it as being restrictive um, because. Okay. Uh, you're not participating in some of the things that they're participating in. Mm-hmm. So on both sides, you know, in a, in a real sense, if they aren't familiar with Scripture, then the Christian represents Christ. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess that's almost cliche. Uh, well, it's not cliche if it's true, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it might be cliche. It doesn't matter. Um, we hear that a lot. I don't think we apply it very often. But that's the theme that I think that I pulled out of YouTube. Well, and it's almost like how whenever like you see a big church has controversy, right, regardless mm-hmm. of which church body they're a part of or what their theology and doctrine may be, they like society sees that as a, you know, gotcha, Christianity. Like, <laughs> this is all of you, isn't it? You know, like, it's like yeah. an affront. Like, whenever any church goes down because of bad teaching and because of toxicity in the congregation, you know, uh, it gets plastered all over the news as if that's what all of Christianity is, you know? And I think that's, you know, in a similar way, that's what that's like being an individual Christian. Cause then people see you just endorsing that idea of, Oh, look, I like, yeah, I'm Christian, but I don't, you know, it's whatever, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, there is a positive side of this, too. Oh, so there is yeah. an appropriate use for the name of the Lord, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and Luther outlines that very simply as well. We should call on God's name, A, to call upon him on a day of trouble as he instructs, and B, to look for him for all consolation in all matters. And so he, obviously, he's writing a catechism for the leaders of the household um, to teach, their, mm-hmm. teach his children. Um, but then uh, in his kind of explanation of those statements, he's saying, Teach your children to just, in everything, if something good happens, call upon the name of the Lord. Say, oh, Lord, thank you for the blessing. If something bad happens, say, Lord, help me get through it, or Lord, help me heal, help, help, whatever. No matter what the situation is, I turn to the Lord for consolation. Whether it's a good thing, I look for you know affirmation from my Heavenly Father and give him the thanks. If it's not something that I want, then I go to him and ask for the strength to endure it. Um, and uh, if yeah, I think that ties right in with what we were talking about, the mm-hmm. idea that um, if somebody's watching a Christian from the outside and saying, oh, <laughs> every, no matter what it is, they always call upon the name of the Lord, um, it's obviously going to draw people, I would think, would draw people into into Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also then glorifies God in everything because it acknowledges that he's in control of everything. So if something goes wrong in my life or something that I don't like happens, happens. I don't want what? I don't li- want to happen happens. Um to immediately turn to my Heavenly Father 
and acknowledge that he's the one in control is mm-hmm. to continue to glorify his name. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of the when we have you have the the two sides like we were talking about that aren't very scripture aren't really in scripture and then you have where Luther says, you know, we're going to praise God through everything and now you have someone who probably is in the word of God and that kind of that's the reality of um who God is and who Christ is rather than what um yeah, people who don't know who he is. So. Mm-hmm. Um something that I'm kind of oh, sorry no, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was kind of wanting to bring this up. So, um, misusing the name your, uh, of God, right? Uh, I think a lot of times in society, it seems as though because of how much people have set God and religion in general to the side, right? So, it's like when people say, oh, my God, or they say Jesus Christ, right, in regards to a situation where they are, you know, definitely not praising him or using it to edify anything, um, like I think I think it's tough I think it's interesting how there's virtually zero reaction to that now. You We're know what I mean? Belittling him in a way. Yeah. And it's almost like how um, you know, uh the world just likes to change the meaning of words. You know, it just seems like there's n- there's just zero regard to what they're talking about in that moment. I know like personally, it's like what do I do when I'm around people that say that? I say, huh? a lot of times I say, what about him? <laughs> you know, and then they're like, uh, what? But even when you do that, they're not understand. Like, I think more often than not nowadays, people are just like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, it's completely yeah, mindless. You, like, yeah. yeah, like the whole, there's nothing behind the words of what they're saying at that point. Well, to take it and run with it, what a supreme arrogance to take the name of God and make it meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost, it, I, d- I doubt it's conscious, you know, but it's almost a statement of, like, your own value to be able to just use the name of God however I want. It's meaningless. It's nothing. I can just use it the way I want to. Yep. Yeah, who cares what, <clears throat> who cares about it? You know, he's just just a name or just a word that I'm going to kind of, yeah, drag through the mud that, you know, who cares? Yeah. Any yeah. wrap-up thoughts on the Second Commandment? Yeah. I just, just something to kind of think about, like, later on in life for whoever's listening to this, right? Like, whenever you hear a friend or maybe a family member, just throw God's name out there, Jesus Christ's name out there. You know, like, think of think of a way to respond, right? I mean, because, again, maybe it's an unconscious thing that they're doing, and, you know, that's definitely not okay, right? So, I don't know. Just yeah. something to kind of be aware of in your daily life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do it with gentleness and respect. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely call it out. Yep. Awesome. All right, moving on then to obscure Bible trivia (laughs) to put on some ridiculous and unnecessary pressure. Eli, you are a pastor's kid. (laughs) That means you're you're in Sunday school. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh, I hate it so (laughs) much. It started in, like, first grade, and it followed me all the way through college. It's like, oh, you're a PK. What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) Anyway, here we go. Uh, So... Uh, just leave your pastor's kids alone. <laughs> okay, anyway, here we go. Uh, first question. How many books of the Bible did Paul write? How many books of the Bible did Paul write? All of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. 13? No. Yeah, final answer, that was, my, 13. that was my first thought. It yeah. is 13. Ooh, 13 out of the 27 nice. books of the New Testament. Very nice. 13. Okay, question number two. You guys are one for one here. 
Number two, what two birds did Noah send out of the ark, and why those two? Well, it's a a dove, right? Was one yeah. of them a dove, and a raven, right? Raven. And why those two? Uh oh, um, wasn't it? Well, the raven didn't come back, right? Isn't why? That because it found dry land. And why did he send out the raven first? Because it can live for longer. <laughs> well, yeah. why did he send out the dove second? Because Think it about would what come the dove back. Did. No. Oh, no. Think about what the dove did. Because eventually it didn't come back. What did it bring back? Like a branch of a tree or something. So why did he send a dove out? To see how low the water was. <laughs> right, exactly. So you send okay. out a raven. A raven nests in the rocks. So if oh. you send out a raven, it'll tell you if the ground is dry. You send out a dove that nests in a tree, and then it'll tell you if there's plant growth. Because they huh. were sitting up on top of a mountain, um, and you can't necessarily see whether there's plant life and things growing around you. So you sent the dove out to see if there's... And when the dove brings back an olive branch, they're all right, we're getting close. And then eventually... Because uh, the raven and the dove only would come back if they didn't have a place to land, right? So then when the dove doesn't come back the second time, because he sends the dove out twice, the dove doesn't come back, and that's when he opens up the doors and off they go. Because if the dove can survive, we all can survive. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I I, I mean... Yeah, I'm sure that was in Sunday school at some point. But that was. <laughs> that was. I can say for a fact that was never in my Sunday school. I didn't know where birds nested. I just knew they sent out. Uh, Montana was just assumed like these kids know enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were probably like, "Oh, you guys know about your ravens, right?" And we all just nodded. <laughs> yes, there's one in my yard. I don't know. <laughs> right next to the moose. In the rocks. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, and so, yeah, there you go. All right. Third question. You guys are one for two. Third question. Finish it off. Which two books of the Bible contain the Ten Commandments? Exodus. And Numbers. No. Not numbered. <laughs> Exodus. Leviticus. That's a good guess. Chronicles? No. Mm-hmm. No, that's the Kings. Oh, that's, that's the Chronicles of the Kings. Deuteronomy. Uh. Deuteronomy. Okay. Yeah. So, well, so Exodus is the story of coming out, and then Deuteronomy is like what's happening on Sinai. What's Deuteronomy mean? I don't. That's all. I don't know that. Sure we can look meaning, it up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what there's a meaning behind that has something going Deuteronomy on. Meaning. Uh, meaning in Hebrew. The name Deuteronomy comes from the Septuagint's Greek title for the book, Deuteronomion. Meaning second law or repeated law. Yeah. Hmm. Here you go. So it's the uh, oh yeah. So it's the uh, um, second application of the Torah, which is presented for the first time in Exodus. I didn't know that. That's a good question, Gus. I didn't. I guess I never thought that Deuteronomy had a meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's a name. This one sounds good. Well, and it explains the weird some of the weird words you see yeah. that aren't scripture. But they are like related to the Bible. Yeah. It's because it's Hebrew translated to Greek translated to English. Uh-huh. <laughs> Such as uh-huh. most of the names of the Yeah. Of the right, books. exactly. Awesome. 
Well, you guys are, well, we'll give you two out of three on that one. Well yeah, done. Okay. You win we'll pride it. and, and <laughs> self-respect. hey <laughs> That's all I need in life. <laughs> those, are, those were harder than I thought they were going to be. I th- yeah, I thought those were easy questions, but they they aren't. Not that I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, well, okay. that sounds like I'm dissing <laughs> you guys. It? All right. Well, <laughs> top three Christian movies or movies containing Christian themes this week. Gus, I know you're a movie guy. You got your own movie club and everything, mm. so we're expecting great things out of you. Okay. Well, I'll just throw the, throw an obvious one out there. Superman. Uh, <laughs> the one from tw- – oh, is that not obvious? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Finish. So, Superman, the one from 20... Well, the newer one. Uh, with the Superman that's been in the Justice League now. Yeah. Uh, 2016? No, 14. Something like that was when that movie came out. Say more. Um, so, well, he's... <laughs> so, the movie, like, the director that made the movie legitimately made it with Christian themes. Essentially, Superman's Jesus. Um, and that's probably not a <laughs> Superman's not Jesus. Okay, just to make sure for the kids that are listening, right? Um, but it, what happens? So it's you know, a <laughs> well, don't ruin a movie. So like a son sent to Earth, right? Grows up virtually perfect, oh. right? Goes through crazy turbulations, you know, like you know, there's like regular story stuff that isn't related to Jesus, right? Like his dad dies, that fuels him to become the hero that Superman is. Um, and then, right, he, he dies or goes through some kind of, I can't remember very well what happens in the movie, but I know that Superman like, like gets hurt. Right. And then, um, when he's in outer space, when he leaves the spaceship and again, this is where like, so there are, there is a devotional series on the movie Superman. What? Yeah. So you can check it out. I remember we talked about it at the youth rally in 2016. So it was pretty recent. Uh, but, uh, like, when he leaves the spaceship, he straight up does, I don't know, what's this called? You know, like the like the pose. Putting your hands Well, out. no, no, like the pose of Jesus thing. You know, like people. It's okay. got a name? I'm pretty sure. I like, I'm think, I think in Catholicism, like, there's a name for oh. being, like, doing that stance. So, you know, he, like, goes out with his arms out as if he huh. were on the cross kind of deal and he like floats out of the spaceship I'm gonna and then he this shoots movie. back to earth and then uh defeats the bad guy right um and i'm not portraying it very well just because it's been a long time since i've actually talked about yeah, it or read up about it but yeah <laughs> so that's that's probably one of the more secular film well recent secular films let alone super uh hero film yeah uh that is very blatantly uh christian in its themes and ideologies yeah I went with the low-hanging fruit on this one, The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, classic. Uh-huh. Yeah, classic. I, I almost felt guilty putting it in there, but how can you not include it on, on a list like right. this, you know? I was talking about that with uh, Mrs. Sharp the other day, um, and she was like, yeah, the devil in that movie is super scary. And I'm like, what? Good. I don't know. I, haven't, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I guess I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched Passion of the Christ. So, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a good it's a good depiction. Which is probably a good I mean, okay. Like where I, the point I'm at in my life, it's like it's appropriate for me to watch it. But kids, no, don't watch that. I don't know. I think I watched like it for the first time when I was high like 12 or maybe. Or something like that. What? 
Yeah. The heck, bro? The coolest part is... Well, I don't know if it's the coolest part <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> it's not the coolest part of a movie about Jesus. But um, the scene where they're like nailing Jesus' hand to the cross, Mel Gibson, those are his hands. So he want, like even though he's not in the movie, he's just directing the movie. But he wanted that like he, that scene, those are his hands pounding Jesus, the nails into Jesus' hands and, yeah. and feet. So, Sweet. yeah. Sweet. Cool. Eli? I three? went... Uh, my favorite Christian movie is Greater, the one with uh, about Brandon Burlesworth. Oh uh, yeah, the Walk on Arkansas. Arkansas right? yep. Such yep. a good movie. Wait, what one's that called? It's called Greater. Greater. Yeah. My favorite scene Didn't, in that movie. When did that movie. come out? When did that come out? Oz. Oh, I don't know the, the that year. Was when, I think it was a little. It was quite a bit ago, though. Like twenty, what, like thirteen or something like that? Twenty fourteen? Yeah, maybe a little after that. Yeah. Okay, like it came <laughs> out like right at the beginning. Of COVID Hold on, or something, did it? Ha- it? Oh, what? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's too late. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know the year. Yeah. Were we? The fact that kids? it's a Disney movie. No, no, it's more Teenagers. recent than that. Because oh, okay. the actors are younger than that. Okay. Yeah, I don't, anyway, I don't go know. ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, continue. But uh, yeah, so he gets. I mean. I, I'll spoil it because it's, but, um, yeah, becomes an All-American after being a walk-on and then dies in a car crash after getting drafted, like, I think it was 2016. 2016, good year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of cool because he, no matter what happens um, in his life, whether he's playing well, playing bad, uh, teammates or friends or, or people are making fun of him, kind of belittling him for his faith, he still st- stands firm, st- stay strong to the word and keeps living his life and so and then cool to see after his death how much an effect it had on everyone yeah yo that movie was wild like okay that so was great yeah i know i know it is a really good movie greater yeah um <laughs> now that i'm seeing the <laughs> now that i'm seeing the pictures of it i'm remembering but like the end scene where the brother's like coming to mm-hmm. terms yeah. and he's talking to gabriel and satan well a figure of a demon of some kind right because that's that's who the two people that he's talking right. to are at the end of the game uh, like in the funeral and whatever i don't know anyway <laughs> yeah it's phenomenal I, I i was laughing the the scene where he's like because uh, you always watch on the sidewalks and never walks on the grass yeah. there's a scene where there's construction and he can't walk on the grass <laughs> so he just like throws a fit and jumps over yeah, yeah it's a phenomenal movie awesome yeah. gus number two uh well if this one so uh the lion the witch and the wardrobe narnia um i think uh yeah it's a sleeper people forget about it um uh but yeah aslan's jesus (laughs) uh but yeah i mean you know wonderful take on c.s lewis's uh novels um and pretty true not completely but pretty true to the novels too which is fairly Mm -hmm. rare yeah now uh i'm gonna be a big advocate for the vhs uh (laughs) sets that came out in the 60s with the puppets instead of the cgi Um, okay those ones are awesome (laughs) i've never seen them i've heard about them i've never seen them yo the okay first of all the puppetry is insane and uh (laughs) yeah it's just way more fun it was, you know, it was in that era where it's like the Muppets and everybody were huge. I mean, okay. it's not like cartoony. It's not like goofy in that sense. Is it like, like claymation? No, it's like puppets, like actual, like, huh. yeah. And uh, what's the little mouse's name? Good question. Rata, Ratata something. Oh, Ratatouille? No. no. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Like the little mouse has the sword, right? And he like fights for Aslan. He might be oh. in Prince Caspian. I don't know if he's yeah, in the I know first you're one. talking about. He gets yeah, the tail he, chopped off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he's played, you know, by a 
small person mm-hmm. <laughs> instead oh. it, with like a with like a mouse like an rous on yeah from the princess bride yeah, yeah yeah just like those i don't believe they exist <laughs> no one, yeah no one does uh, my number two um my number two is the song it was like a low budget movie i don't know when it came out um, but it's all about, it's supposedly the book of Ecclesiastes. So the guy in the movie is, he's almost like a, like a Johnny Cash kind of figure. Um, but he's, it's, it's, it's supposedly, he's a modern country star and his name is Jedediah and his dad is David King is his name. And so Jedediah obviously is Dave, is uh, Solomon's like given name. Yeah. And so then he goes through and at one point he had, like he, he rises to the top um, and he like has the whole world at his fingertips, and then he has an affair, and it all comes crashing down. He has to earn his way back. So it's a movie about David and Solomon. It's a movie about Ecclesiastes. It's a movie about marriage. It's it's like it's not. I'm not. It's not Oscar worthy or anything, you know. But it's it's a good watch. Um, and like in a lot of times when you have movies about musicians and things, the music's not that great, you know. But this one actually. The music is pretty good too. So oh, mm-hmm. around, it's a good movie. It's a good watch and a great way to kind of uh, dive into the world of Ecclesiastes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I went my number two. I went uh, the Case for Christ. I think is maybe more the book than the movie, but it's kind of cool to see an, an atheist who is so passionate about proving God wrong, and then God uses that passion for him to become a believer and a strong believer, very strong believer. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. You think about Isaiah fifty-five. This is the rain mm-hmm. and snow come from heaven. My word will not come back to me empty. So, mm-hmm. even if you're trying to prove the Bible wrong, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Number one, guess. Uh, my number one. Uh, I'll say a quick runner up to the other two before I say my actual number one. God's not dead. The first one. I honestly have never seen it. it was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a solid film. I mean, at the time it came out, it was like, you know, I don't know. It just worked. But then they made two and three and. They should have they should have named him like the way Palestine named like prepared to answer more prepared to answer. <laughs> like, God's not dead. God's, God's still m- not still dead. Or God more. really still isn't dead. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would have been awesome. Okay, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about that studio, but it seems like they kind of got a little out of hand, and it's just to the point where it's like people aren't going to watch it because. Yeah. Anyway, but the first one was good. Um, my actual number one though is actually the Princess Bride. Um. Now I had to, so I did Google uh, reasoning I behind this, that man. because I've had a conversation about it before. Professor Thompson, this was actually the first film that we did a talk on uh, for my film club on campus, and uh, so just to kind of refresh my memory, so um, I'll just read straight from the article. So the Princess Bride balances a theme routinely mentioned in the Bible, right? Pain is a part of this life because, well, and we can say because of sin, right? Um, so pain is a part of this life. We're not promised everything will go as planned, right? Um, however, amid life's pain, humans still have value, love, true love is still worth pursuing, right? Um, and you see that through the whole movie and you see that through the whole Bible, right? The only thing is, is the movie doesn't say, oh, look, you know, we have God in our life. It's, you know, just a romantic tale about a knight and a princess, uh, well, not just a romantic tale. <laughs> I honestly thought um, you were going to say Wesley's a figure of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not at all. No, he's not. But it's just that whole idea. Well, I mean, it shows us where, like, the areas in our life that we need God and where he's, you know what I mean? So, I see it. Yeah. So watch that movie. Think about that stuff. Um, talk about it. Also, it's just a great movie. Oh, my god, It gosh. is a good movie. 
Yeah, there was a point in our childhood when my sisters and I could mute the movie and just recite all the lines along with the video. That's aggressive, man. It's that's <laughs> aggressive. I will say yeah. I was actually scared by this movie growing up. Not by the rodents of unusual size or the R-O-U-S's. Yeah. Um, but by the like the whole life sucking machine. Oh. That actually scared the Yeah. Boogie woogie out of me, man. <laughs> it was not it was not good. It's quite a scream. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and it was just like, you know, the suction cups and ugh, yeah. Still can kind of think about. Oh, I, th- I think it would have been funny if they would have had like suction cup bruises on his body when he came back to life. Oh right. That's, yeah. yeah. And, uh, not to freak kinda out like, even more. Yeah, kind of like. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> terrified right now. Uh, but yeah, great movie. Watch it. Sweet. Okay. Uh, my number one, when the game stands tall. It's a good football movie. Mm. You can't deny yeah. a good football movie. Is that the um, one that has sale in it? The song Sale is in the soundtrack? I think so. I that was the right. first time I heard Sale was yeah. when I watched that movie. But especially <laughs> as some as a Christian, obviously, but then as somebody who loves coaching mm-hmm. and loves football, man, it's a great movie. The adrenaline running through my teenage body when oh, I watched oh, that. Yeah. It was, I was like, like football! <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> He's making me feel old because that came out when I was like already in already in the teaching ministry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But that's okay. It's a great movie, though. Yeah, and the, again, you can't deny the... Th- I mean, it is overtly Christian, but then mm-hmm. on top of that, you've got wonderful themes throughout. So Yeah. Yeah, and even practical things like the yeah. commitment cards and things like that. So Well, it addresses issues outside of the Christian community too. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the... Ang- well, I, I hesitate to say angle, but, you know, with Christianity as its core focus though. Yeah, so. sweet. Eli, number one. I think I went backwards, but I still <laughs> okay. go. I was gonna go passion for my last one, but then I put Hacksaw Ridge down. Oh, oh there I you go. About that one, nice. Just a cool movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, doesn't he doesn't use a gun? They, they put him as a medic, right? I think. Yeah. Yep. And then he just starts saving dudes left and right, mm-hmm. which is. He was really Christian, cool. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. For he's, some reason, I thought he was Jewish or something. You no, he's a Christian. Okay. He's like a conscientious objector. He's mm. like Bible thumping Southern Baptist, I think. Mm. Is yeah, yeah. That's a good. Uh, it's a good example of like a perhaps the Lord will bless it mm-hmm. kind yeah, of yeah. attitude. You know, like yeah. uh, like the 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 quote comes from uh, the story of Jonathan, where he's like, "Yeah, let's go up and fight those dudes. It's like two on twenty. And we'll just maybe the Lord will bless it and we'll survive. And if he doesn't, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll go see him. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a good example of it. Like I'm just gonna go up there, do what I can, and see if the Lord blesses it. It's yeah. a great movie. I forgot about that one. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, need to re- rewatch that one too. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's on Netflix right now. Is it? Yeah. All right. I think I know what I'm doing on Saturday night. Hey oh. Because I'm too old to do anything else. That's well, not true. Post this podcast. I mean, uh, well, no, it'll get done probably <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, we'll we'll get it up there. It'll be up by Saturday morning for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we're almost out of time here, so let's get into the word. Getting into the word. Uh, our reading. So this week is Pentecost thirteen. So we're, our reading came from Micah seven verses eighteen to twenty. Figured we'd go with the Old Testament reading this week. It's a short one, but a good one. Starting at verse eighteen. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. 
You will be faithful to Jacob and show the love to Abraham as you pledged an oath to our ancestors in days long ago. So as uh, Hebrew nerds, first of all, there's a couple of prophetic perfects in there. Um, so in the Hebrew world, if you can put a, a word in past tense, if you consider it done in the eyes of the behold, or yeah, in the eyes of the speaker. And so there's a couple of verbs in here um, where they're talking about what God is going to do. But even as they're talking about what going what God is going to do, they're stating he's already, he's going to do it, but it's a settled matter in the, in the, in, in the mind of the speaker. So it's something that's already it's already done in eternity, if you will. Like it's already settled and finished. But it's something I'm looking forward to. Um, so this is just a beautiful little piece to add into verses like this. Um, my immediate, uh, my immediate, uh, the thing I noticed first, I guess, was that there's absolutely no condition put on forgiveness. There's no in verse 18. He's not like he doesn't say anything about once you return to me, or you once you turn your face back to me, or once you're faithful again, or once you're good enough, or whatever it might be. Just he will pardon. Sin and forgive transgressions of the remnants of Israel, mm-hmm. which would be us now as the New Testament sons of Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you say, even to, to the on the on, on the second half of the of it, when it's talking about, so uh, sorry, verse nineteen, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. I don't know. A lot of times, it feels like the opposite. Like instead of treading our sin underfoot, he's going to tread me underfoot, right? Mm, yeah. And yeah, that's what I deserve. But he's not. He's promised he's not going to do that. Um, and it takes that. It's a. It's a flip in your brain of being, you know, fearful of God because he's powerful and good versus afraid of God because I know um, condemnation is coming. And that's something I struggle with more than I think I realize. Mm. You know, the pressure and the burden because I'm. I'm not always good, dude. <laughs> right. uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not a good dude a lot, and. Uh, the sins they they start to build up after a while, and you go, man, like yeah, who would love me? Mm-hmm. My Savior did, yep, and He doesn't hold it against me. I think it's uh interesting too. God's forgiveness is how it's unconditional, and um, the world tells you, you know, obviously you forgive, but it's like forgive yourself too, and it's like no, not necess- God has already forgiven me; it's already done. I don't just me forgiving myself isn't gonna do anything because I can I won't ever have I I can't stop forgiving myself because I keep on sinning and yet God has he has hurled my our sins into the into the depths of the sea it's it's done it's over and so I think that's kind of how great and how gracious he is in his forgiveness yeah I like the visual depths of the sea right like maybe in today's age if this were written he'd be like you know past the moon or something you know <laughs> but it's like that's something conceivable to people that they're like yeah that's deep that's gone like you can't reach that ever again yeah well even with our modern technology we can't even go to the like the ocean yeah floor we, yeah we still spots. can't yeah, yeah in certain spots we still can't go to the depths of the sea right but yeah they're completely gone i mean it goes back to the tetelestai tis- idea right the word Jesus uses on, I don't know why I did yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, did you get a tattoo? With <laughs> I, I should. That'd be a great spot for a tattoo. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, the uh But Tetelestai is the is the Greek word that Jesus yells out on the cross. Uh, he probably yelled it in Aramaic, but it's the word that is recorded in the scriptures. And it's the it's like a, a word accountants would use. And it's to be paid in full. Like when the debt is completely paid and now the uh, account is closed. Like, you can't reopen it. The debt doesn't come mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. This matter is over. 
You know, it's like there's there's no coming back from the depths of the sea. They're gone. The sins are just gone. The debt is paid. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the consistency of God's forgiveness. Is There's no doubt it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's also like a testimony. He's done it again and again and again. And as he's always done, he will always do. Um, you know, he's he forgave Isaac. He forgave Jacob. He forgave David, you know, mm-hmm. and you go on down the line. Yeah. And he forgives me too. Yeah, and we have their sins recorded, right? And yeah. we can we can find correlation between the things that they've done and the things we've done and we can see, oh look, there's literal evidence that God does forgive each and everything that I have committed, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the big eye opener in my mind. It's like why <laughs> like I think it's easy to ask, why would God record any of that? (laughs) You know, you know, like what's the point in having that story in there or having this situation happen? And it's, you know, to show us the extent of his mercy, you know, and his love for his people. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like to talk about it. Or I don't know if this is original to me. So if it wasn't original to me, forgive me. But I like to talk about like the the old Testament is a whole bunch of examples of, uh, what, sinful Christian men should live like, you know, after I, like, these are both non-examples and examples of I'm a sinner, I do things that are wrong, here's how I live my life, recognize I'm a sinner. And then the Gospels are a picture of Jesus who was the, he was Christian manhood. Mm -hmm. He's perfect man. Like, he's not just perfect, he's perfect at being a man too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's our example. And then from there, the epistles paint us a picture of how then we go forward and live like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And how often we uh, kind of take that for granted, um, not only God's forgiveness, but kind of the way that Christ lived, um, how perfectly he was for us, and kind of as an extra jolt of energy when you um, rec- when you have God's forgiveness of that, now I can go live like Paul writes in the epistles. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Any last thoughts on uh, Micah 7 to see? Mm-mm. All right. Any last words for the boys at home? Can't be perfect. Right? Doesn't change how well you're loved. Yep. yep. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Go be the man that God created you to be. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.